Welcome to episode 84 of the Comfort Monk Podcast. My guest on the show today is Robert Holguin, a news anchor, journalist, videographer, photographer, and more based out of the El Paso area. Robert's had a pretty interesting career and it was fun to pick his brain about that, but we talked a lot about his upcoming project, which is a documentary about our friends, the Sloppy Boys, and the making of their new record, Sonic Ranch, which was produced by Money Mark. Thanks for coming on the show, Robert. I think you guys are going to dig this one. And if you're a fan of the Sloppy Boys, look out for this documentary and catch them at Hopscotch Music Festival with Dear Blanca, Numtongue, and Dry Spells on September 9th. Thanks, guys. This is episode 84 of the Comfort Monk Podcast. Robert. Good, man. How are you? I'm doing great, man. I'm glad uh, to get a chance to chat with you. I feel like Absolutely. we've been, yeah, we've been in, in similar worlds for a, a bit, a couple times out on the road, but didn't get a chance to chat with you much. I know, I know. Like um, that was uh, that was a quick turnaround in those two stops where I got to see your band. Uh, was it in, in Charlotte and Asheville? But yeah, or uh, Charleston and Asheville, Charleston. right? That's right. That's right. Pardon me. Yeah, I got my- Oh, yeah. I got my uh, Civil War era cities mixed up. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah. So, uh, well, man, there's there's a lot that I'd like to chat with you about. You're kind of a Renaissance man, but uh, but uh, I, I don't even know where I want to start. I, I guess um, there's definitely some stuff that we'll get to in relation to that uh, Sloppy Boys documentary, um, which I didn't even know that's the project that you had in the works. So I definitely have uh, a lot I want to talk to you about about that. But I'd love to kind of trace it back and hear about you know how you got started in journalism and all that so are you from Seattle or did you relocate there whenever you started working there so that was my first job I'm from here so I'm in El Paso now uh, but I'm from the southwest I'm from New Mexico right down the road so um, yeah so I Seattle was my first job out of college so I was there um, you know in the early 90s just uh I was a you know brand new reporter, so I was covering everything. I was with the Associated Press back then, and it was great because I got to cover you know all kinds of stuff. Because of course back then, tech was booming, right? Microsoft was booming, and of course music was off the charts. And so I got to cover a lot of music as well, and and that was really exciting. Well, that was great. So how old were you about uh, the point that you started reporting there? I was like twenty two. Yeah, so I was a okay. kid. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Pretty cool place to be at a at twenty two. Lots lots of exciting stuff going on. Yeah, I was, you know, I came. I was, I'm from a really small town in New Mexico, tiny little town. There's nothing there but a truck stop. So um, I went to school up the road in Las Cruces, also kind of a small school at New Mexico State. So then when I got to go to Seattle and be there, I'd always been this kid who wanted to live in a big city. I was obsessed with living in a big city. So. Uh, you know, I've been blessed uh, with the opportunity to have done that at several cities across the country through my career, because journalism is kind of weird, right? You can, you're kind of nomadic. Um, but uh, getting to Seattle was amazing, because not only was it uh, my, my first job in this great, cool city, but the cultural scene, the music scene at that point was exploding. You know, I mean, it was the, of course, the grunge movement, you know? Uh, yeah, absolutely. But, yeah. 
Yeah, funny enough, I just the last person I talked to on the podcast was uh Lori Goldston, who who played cello on that in utero tour and uh at the unplugged performance. So definitely uh just weird coincidence that you happen to be uh in Seattle reporting around that same time, you know? Yeah. Yeah, man, that was uh that was crazy. Of course, at that point, um you know, never mind had already come out, but then um, getting there and then seeing them perform before In Utero comes out, I got to see them at this kind of secret show um, that was on a pier. It was this cool, like, I don't know, maybe maybe a thousand people on this in this kind of a warehouse on a pier that was being taped for MTV. So I, I got a chance to see a bunch of bands on, on that particular lineup, but Nirvana was right. That was right when in utero was coming out. So um, they were just, I mean, incredible. I mean, that that's, that was a transformational experience, right. To see them at their peak like that. And, um, and then sadly it wasn't long after that, that, you know, Kurt died. So, and then covering that was pretty surreal, pretty surreal too. Right. Yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> yeah. I mean, you know, I feel like you were kind of the, prime age demographic for uh for nirvana fandom at that point too you know i mean yeah they were definitely uh i mean i feel like they're a band that you can appreciate at any age but they certainly have that uh if you have a little bit of youthful angst and you you uh you relate to a lot of those you know teenage angst has paid off well yeah 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 um, for sure man well that's cool man so uh when you were in seattle was music journalism kind of where your focus was or was it just so happened to be that you were in a town where music was on fire at the moment. So music was just a lot of what there was to cover. Well, yeah, I think the latter there, there was just a lot to cover. And I was the only guy in the office who was, you know, in, in his twenties, everyone else was in their forties, which at the time seemed super old. <laughs> uh, but uh yeah, so I was the only guy there in his 20s and I was I volunteered for anything having to do with music of course because it was incredibly exciting and uh and the opportunity to to see and, and interact with some of these bands getting to you know interview Chris Cornell at a cafe or something. I mean all this stuff was just incredible, you know. So yeah, I I definitely would volunteer for anything having to do with music and 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 almost all the time I'd get it. And around that same time, were you already making some of your own music or was that kind of a later transition for you? I, I've been a musician most of my life. My dad was a, a musician and he taught us guitar and, and he, you know, I had like a basic rudimentary like understanding of music growing up. And then in high school, you play in high school bands, right? Like you you do like the high school talent show and stuff like that. So I'd, I'd been in bands, but I wasn't, I wasn't really recording or writing original music back then yet um i was uh, no i would say like that came later you know that came when i was i'd say like the, the my most prolific period for making music was when i was living in la oh okay so yeah. tell me a little bit about that when did you move to la what was like the uh was there a specific kind of thing that drew you out there uh career oriented otherwise yeah, it was the job. I was a reporter for the ABC affiliate in uh, in Los Angeles. I got that opportunity. They they saw me 
This this was back when getting to LA was like getting to these major markets and TV news was um it was a lot more difficult. This is 06. So this is what I'm okay. talking about. So I moved to LA in 06. And um back then it was a lot more difficult to get to these major markets. It's not so much that way anymore. The business has really changed. Um there's been a lot of uh I don't know, just I don't want to bore you with it, but I mean basically like a lot of people can are a lot more mobile now, and, and I think people take chances. Also, a lot of TV stations will hire freelancers these days, which, you know what I mean? And and um, back then, it wasn't really, the, there wasn't that many freelancers working in LA. So I was a staff, it was a staff job. So I got to work with the ABC in LA as a staff reporter. And, um, and that was an incredible opportunity. Because that's like, you know, that's, that's the place to be in, in terms of TV news there or New York. And um, and that was 06. So then I spent 10 years in that job. Okay. So, uh, you know, is that the time when you kind of linked up with Tim and Jeff and those guys? Was like, was there some crossover there? I, I don't have the best feel for when they got to L.A., to be honest. I think I've heard... Th- I've heard them say that they got there around the same time. Of course, they were younger. They were much younger. They're like, they're at least 10 or more years younger than I am. So I think they were in their early 20s when they got there, you know, and and started pursuing their their dreams. Um, But I did not know them at all. Uh, I Listen, they were complete strangers to me outside of, I'd seen them perform because I'd gone to UCB, the theater in, in Los Angeles. So one thing about me is that I love live performances. I love seeing live events. So again, being from a small town, when I got to big cities and you got to see that there were amazing opportunities to see a killer band in a nightclub or a great play in like a black box theater or something like that, that was pretty new to me, right? So I've always always really enjoyed that and and that I've supported it and I've pursued it whenever I can. So when I got to LA and and I was in LA, I've always been a huge comedy nerd. I love comedy. I've, you know, I've, I've, you know, I've got, I, I go down wormholes when it comes to that kind of thing. Um, but UCB at the time, it was like five bucks to go see a show, like an improv show. And I would always take my friends who would come into town, would gr- grab tickets and go see a show like at midnight or at 10 or something. And it was always a blast. So I'd seen the birthday boys in that context and others who performed there. And it was always great to see, you know, sometimes you'd see like, a star up on this, you know, that it was a well-known star, but other times, you know, these amazing young comics and I always had a blast. So then of course the birthday boys got their TV show and I was a fan of their TV show, massive fan of Bob Odenkirk, you know, from Mr. Show and and like that whole lineage that exists there. Um, So then when their podcast comes out, I'm already in El Paso at that time. Uh, I moved back in 16 to work here, I would kind of burned out, to be honest with you, about being a street reporter in LA had kind of taken a toll. And, and then the opportunity to come here when immigration was really popping off. Immigration is something that I focus on professionally, like on my serious uh, side. Uh, and um, anyway, so COVID hits. COVID is a really weird time. El Paso has hit particularly hard. At one point, we're like the epicenter of the outbreak, you know, in terms of our numbers, reporting on really sad things that are happening here, obviously. But like, you know, in my solitude, because remember how weird that those first several months were where everybody was kind of alone and 
you know, and I live alone. So I, you know, I'm listening to podcasts and I, and I became, you know, really a, a huge fan of their podcast because there is something weird. And, and I think maybe you can attest to this too. There is like that magic trick that happens where you feel like you're hanging out with friends, right? Like you feel like yeah. people are your friends. And, um, and it was, you know, that, that, that podcast and a couple of others really helped me during pretty dicey times. So um, if you're asking about how I got to know them or, or how, how like all this got started, there was an episode of their podcast where they were talking about, it was, uh, they were talking about the Beatles documentary, the Peter Jackson Beatles documentary. And Mike Hanford said, like, wouldn't it be funny? He, he's mentioned something like, wouldn't it be funny if there was, if a documentary crew followed us around when we're making a record because we're so crazy or, or, or it's, it's such a low budget thing. So it occurred to me, um, like, wow, my friend who is Money Mark, uh, he's a dear friend of mine. Yeah. And I thought, wouldn't it be, I've been trying to get him down here to work on a project at Sonic Ranch, which is an incredible recording studio right down the road, kind of a legendary spot. Um, and I thought, I just had like an idea and I was like, what if I like hooked Mark up with these guys to make a record at Sonic Ranch and I filmed it? And I reached out to everybody and everybody said yes. And the rest is history. So they've got wow. a new album coming out and, and, um, and I, I have the doc that'll come out, you know, a few months later. Yeah. I had no idea that uh, Money Mark was making that record with them. I mean, I knew they went down to El Paso to record and obviously uh, some of it influenced even the music, you know, Chico's yeah. Torpes seems uh, very inspired by that, but uh, right. that's awesome, man. I'm really excited for that. I mean, I, I had heard, through Mookie that you guys had uh that you and the sloppy boys had been cooking something up but uh didn't really know what the details were so that's exciting man we'll make sure uh to time this release to where it you know works out nicely with what's going on with that you gotta is it anywhere near uh approaching like any sort of timeline or is it a bit up in the air in regards to that I think I think look the idea is to have it I'm going to submit it to a couple of film festivals that I have, uh, you know, I'm optimistic, but regardless by the fall, uh, by the fall, it'll be out. And that's a, uh, you know, is the plan to put it out before or after the record comes out after. Yeah. Okay. I, I believe if I'm not speaking out of school, I believe that the album is going to be a summer release. So they're okay, going to cool. have a, a new album in the summer. And hope you know. Obviously, by the time this is out, the album or at least a single will will have been released, and then um, the doc will come out in the fall. That's awesome, man. And yeah, we'll we'll play it by ear in regards to that. We won't uh, we won't let any cat out of the bag for you. Yeah. But uh, I'm excited to to kind of hear what's going on there, man. That's really cool. Yeah, man. It's it was uh, it was just a crazy idea. They seemed like you know like great guys on the podcast, and it ended up being true. They're all great guys, as you well know. Uh, and Mark is, again, I love Mark to death. Mark is a real, like he is an artist. He is a true artist. He's someone who can't help but be creative in everything he does. And the documentary really captures that. And I'm really proud of those moments where you see not only the guys, of course, the guys are hilarious and, and they, they, they made a really good comedy album. They really did. But to see Mark, you know, really do what Mark does and for people to see that, I'm excited about that because 
homie is just he's the real deal man well he's a legend man he's been in the game for so long and his uh you know his resume just speaks for itself it's ridiculous yeah yeah i think he made a maybe did a pop-up appearance at a a show with our friend ray barbie or somebody like that uh out in long beach not long after we were there with with the sloppy boys and uh i was jealous because we had played with ray on that tour as well but i was like damn a money mark appearance would be fun he's he's an inspiration you know yeah how did how did you Dylan hook up with the sloppy boys. I think I remember when I first met them, we went to dinner when we first pitched this idea and they talked about this, the band that they would tour with. And I'm positive they were referencing you about long beach, I think is maybe where they met you. Is that right? Oh, that's where we played together for the first time. Uh, So I guess it's where we met in person, but um, you know, we're from uh, Columbia, South Carolina. So we're, you know, uh, we've been doing this podcast, and my friend Brett Nash, who I'm trying to think if he, I don't think he was playing with Dear Blanca at the shows you saw. I think he uh, popped in for the later half of that tour, um, but he plays in the band with us a good bit as well. But uh, he's done a lot of guest hosting on this podcast for me. Um, that's kind of the nature of this podcast. A lot of them I'll talk to a guest, but if there's somebody who I think would have a really nice rapport with whoever the guest might be, uh, or if they're just, you know, really knowledgeable on that guest's career or something, I'll have them speak with them instead. So Brett, uh, he had spoken with a few people on the podcast for me and I just kind of was bored one day, texted him. I was like, Hey, is there anybody you want me to try to book for the show that you'd be excited to talk to? And he's like, well, there's this band I love called the sloppy boys. And that they were, not on my radar yet at the time. So I just booked them, hit them, you know, sent them a message, booked them for the podcast and Brett talked to them. And after listening to the podcast, I kind of had that same experience you have where I was like, man, these guys are so charming. And uh, you just like instantly kind of feel like you're part of the pack when you're listening to them. Agreed. So then I started listening. Uh, Brett turned me on to their podcast. I was listening to it a bit. Um, and I just got a wild hair because I was flying out to California to play some shows anyways. And I was like, I wonder if these guys might be interested in linking up. And so we did just uh, Long Beach in L.A. together. This was not last year, but the year before. And then while I was out there, I was like, man, if you guys ever want to come to the East Coast, you know, you can use all our gear and just get yourselves out there and we'll put something together. So we did, you know, that run that was kind of like whole East Coast up to about Boston and back. And then, of course, that led to, hey, let's do the full west coast and we did san diego up to vancouver and we were about to do the big midwest run that uh we had to put on pause but uh for good reason as i think you probably know uh, yeah absolutely but, uh, my i was i was heartbroken i was you know mookie and i were headed to nashville to see you yeah. guys um uh, but hey it, it's hey, there's it's, worse there are plenty of uh, less exciting reasons for a tour to not happen so i'm and uh, I'm not losing any sleep over that. And we are actually, actually are cooking up some pretty cool ideas. Uh, one thing in particular that I feel like probably can't say quite yet because I don't think it's been announced, but I think we're going to be doing at least one big thing together um, in September on the East Coast, which will be cool. Um, so hopefully we can let the cat out of the bag on that soon. But yeah, it's nice that so soon after that, we're already finding an excuse to hang with them because we've definitely like i mean they're just 
by far the most fun guys we've traveled and played music with with the like the only people who compare is uh, our friend brett he has a band called secret guest and we had a pretty great time touring with them but brett's been along for the ride with this so it's like best of both worlds but that's excellent yeah they're yeah man i your shows were were great i mean i, I love that you guys share gear just get up there and just uh, there's a, like a punk rock ethic to what you're you're all doing and, and oh just, it's very economical we're like uh that's it's i think all the venues love it when we're like so no changeover yeah everybody plays the exact same gear like down to the pedals and everything so it's a uh, the only difference really in our setup is that they use three microphones and we use one yeah so that's pretty pretty easy to accommodate putting two more mics on stage in between bands even um, the even the grumpiest sound guy is okay with that, you know. Oh, we we encountered a couple, <laughs> as you might imagine. But yeah. most of them have been pretty sweet. But every once in a while, you find the funny thing is, even the ones who were like a little bit, um, you know, sort of salty with us at the front end, the sloppy boys are so diffusing as a band that by the end of their set, they're like, man. I feel like they were like, I don't know why I was being grouchy. This is fun, uh, but you know, I get it. I work at a bar too, and sometimes you can get burnt out and i'm sure that's kind of what leads to those sour moments from sound people they for sure for they, sure they but if anybody deal can... with their hand a handful of uh, unpleasant musicians every now and oh. then too i'm sure so no doubt no doubt not everyone is as cool as dear blanca and the sloppy boys for sure uh well i appreciate that we're we're trying to be uh at least you know uh fairly affable out there yeah where did you get your name what does the the name come from so uh, my grandmother was Blanca and for the long, for originally she was just a big inspiration to me musically growing up very much. So like encouraged me to kind of dig into it deeper. And I just wanted to be Blanca, uh, not be dear Blanca at first, but I think there's like a big Brazilian artist or something that tours under that name and uh, figured it probably wouldn't be an issue, but I was like, you know what, let's just, uh, let's skip the BS and add a deer on the front of this. Yeah. <laughs> so it's a, but uh, I kind of like it. Sort of feels like it's uh, putting that deer on the beginning of it makes it feel like it's sort of like addressing her, which is nice and gives me an opportunity to to talk about her a lot because people will ask where that name comes from. So it's nice to like kind of keep her on my mind in that way, you know. That's lovely. Absolutely. But she was uh my dad's mom, Cuban uh, grandmother of mine uh, that moved to South Carolina when they were when he was really young and grew up kind of more in the Anderson area which is sort of near Greenville if you know where that is but mm. it's kind of uh what they call the upstate what I grew up in what they call the low country which is closer to Charleston uh in a place called Georgetown but yeah sort of simple little backstory there but it's definitely it's funny how throwing in even just the slightest uh like less American sounding name will lead to many times over the years, thankfully less in recent years, but especially in our early years, you would just not any type of misspelling you could imagine. Lots of dear Biancas when we were first getting started. One wow. time, shockingly, we were billed as dear Panda. I have no idea how this happened, but <laughs> no, that's uh, just, yeah, that's malfeasance on the part of yeah. that. <laughs> well, you know, I guess in your early years, uh, maybe, it's easier, but I just feel like I think maybe even one club on that East Coast date when we got there, there was like a chalkboard out front. I think somewhere in upstate New York. And I was like, damn, we got another Bianca. It's been years. It's, it's refreshing. Everyone's going will be like, you know what? I appreciate it. it reminds me of uh, the early days. <laughs> 
that's great but man uh you know i guess one thing i was curious about with all of the different things that you're you know you're pretty multifaceted you have a lot of interests have you kind of felt like it's been like a bit of a juggling act or a balancing act to be able to squeeze in some of that filmmaking or the music making while you're trying to i mean i imagine your your day job keeps you pretty busy you know probably especially now that you're doing the you know the stuff with uh that news station in el paso probably fairly um stationary compared to what you're used to in some ways or at least you know you have more of a home base as a reporter than you might have when you were doing more freelancing yeah Um, is it is it a struggle in that way or do you feel like you've been able to make it work i i guess i've been able to make it work i think that um there probably is an argument to be made about being more focused on one thing as opposed to spreading yourself out over things um when i was really you know making music and again i think a lot of this a lot of these creative endeavors uh for my part on on my part for a lot like i'm not unlike a lot of people in the sense that they're very therapeutic right because that that's it's an outlet it's it's a it's a form of expression all that is a very important part of life and i and i believe in fostering that in in others and and in myself obviously but i think that um you know, beyond being a hobbyist when it comes to, to say with music, which is, I think probably an accurate thing. Although I think, you know, we were, we were playing a lot in LA and I, and I played a lot with a lot of very talented people and got to do some really cool, amazing things. But as a musician, I wouldn't go far beyond being a hobbyist, but um, with my filmmaking, um, I think that as as just like when I do something really uh, difficult, like the documentary I made on a mass shooting that we had here in 2019, a horrific mass shooting at a Walmart here, um, that documentary, even as dark as that topic is, getting to meet the people I met and getting to experience their stories and getting to tell their stories incredibly powerful and incredibly important for me right the 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 sloppy boys doc is is interesting because it's obviously it's funny it's they're they're funny guys and and the premise is funny i'll give you an example just uh last week or maybe two weeks ago now um there was a horrific fire right across the border from us. Ciudad Juarez is the border city with El Paso. So there was a horrible fire at a migrant detention center. 40 people died in that fire. Just, I mean, just like as dark as it gets, right? So I'm covering that and I'm, and I'm having to work on that professionally. And, and it's, it's tough, man. It's, it's not easy to, to deal with, you know, like tragedy on that scale and, and interact with people. But at the same time, I'm like fielding calls uh, between, you know, the sloppy boys and the engineer here in, in town, Gabe, who's like, I'm trying to get, get things coordinated so that they have the final mixes. And th- there's something really funny about that dichotomy, right? Is like, here's like this really silly song that they're trying to get the guitar part remixed or something. And at the same time, you know, this horrible dark thing that I'm covering professionally, both can exist in the same place because both are, are what I need to get through the day, if that makes sense. Um, 
I'm here to, you know, I came back home to tell stories about the border and that's hugely important to me. But my own, uh, you know, like my own sanity also needs to be listening to a Sloppy Boys song in its early mixes and then helping them get what they need from this recording session that I helped uh, orchestrate. So it's, it's I don't know, man. I, I think I, I thought about that day and I thought about the dichotomy of those two situations and I thought they were pretty interesting, at least in my head, you know. Absolutely. I feel like uh, one provides a little bit of levity for the other. Um, you know, I I feel like for you to be able to, to do... Uh, the job that's so serious and covering these heartbreaking topics uh, and to do it, you know, at your, uh, you know, at your, to be operating at your best. I feel like it helps that you're uh, clearing your head a bit with some, some just fun, lighthearted times that are still productive and creative, but just maybe not so emotionally draining. Um, Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, I feel like it's just probably, like you said, it helps you focus, helps you kind of keep uh, keep from burnout on just, I mean, as, as anyone will tell you, and I'm sure you could experience yourself with the job you have, the news alone, regardless of whether you're covering it, can be draining. Just mm-hmm. turning on the news uh, these days is can be really intense. Uh, For sure. And if you're there on the street covering it and some of the stuff you're covering, like you said, these shootings. And uh, I know you were doing a lot of work with the um, with the like unsolved murders down in uh, Ciudad and just crazy things that are. Uh, I mean, that would break anybody down to see all that stuff, especially in the proximity that you're having to it uh, there in El Paso. Um, yeah. So I'm, I'm glad you have an outlet for kind of putting a little bit of positivity in there. I mean, that's, I think we all got to have that, you know, if, and it pretty, pretty fun and entertaining distraction. Um, and then, you know, and good things are going to come from it. There's not, you know, uh, there's nothing, there's no way to sell that short, you know I mean? That's like going to be a really neat project. That's not like just a distraction. It's like a, it's very worth, it's uh, worth your time. I'm sure. Yeah, no, I, I, listen, I, I'm I'm really proud of the doc. Um, I'm look. I'm really proud of the guys and 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 Mark and they, they made a funny, cool comedy rock album. It's people are gonna love it. They're gonna flip out when they hear some of the, the ideas that those guys were able to to you know put on on a, on a record. But the doc, I'm really happy with it too. Of course, I wish I could do it over. I, there's a lot of things I'd do differently. But there are those moments that um, that are on on tape that are. Um, you know, they'll live forever. And there's some really funny little moments that I'll, I'll treasure. Well, you know, speaking of these kind of like side interests and, uh, you know, just the the different aspects of your career outside of journalism. Um, I mean, you've done a, a bit of acting work too, right? I have. Um, yeah. So when I was younger, I, I made two feature films and um, like, these are like, you know, they're they're um, they're not out there because we 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 shot on film back in those days. So um, these are feature length films. That one of them was like a dark thriller. The other one is a, a campy comedy. So very strange. But um, yes. So in those days, I kind of I, I always wanted to be a filmmaker, and I always wanted to tell visual stories. Um, in those days, I was doing some acting too. I think more than anything, out of necessity. Um, 
I, the, the more that I got exposed to people who are real actors and who have real, <laughs> real incredible talent, you know, like the more I want to be behind the camera and and not really have to do with anything to do with that. But it's still fun to be silly. And I'll do just to keep things lighthearted. Sometimes I'll do like dumb little bits that I'll put on social media just because it's, you know, again, I, I mean, I love comedy. I'm a student of comedy. So um, I have so much respect for you know, comedic actors and and comedians and comedic writers that uh, I sometimes like to do an homage, but certainly I never put myself in that category. Well, I think it, it shows in your um, in some of your you know more news anchor related uh, journalism that you have this uh, experience behind the camera or in front of the camera rather, uh, and that like there's some uh, I would say like understated showmanship and you're you know you're not like uh distracting from the story but you do you're very effective in getting even if it was i mean you're covering such compelling things but the way that you carry yourself and present yourself uh in front of the camera whenever you're reporting or doing your news anchor work etc it's engaging even if you you could have been given a much less compelling story and i would be very interested just by the way that you uh you you sell the uh the story well in the sense that you just have this like yeah you've got a very uh noticeable charisma that i think really kind of engages the viewer which i'm sure is a huge part of why you've been employed (laughs) thank you well thank you yes i would hope so i I would hope so but thank you that's that's very nice of you to say and um and yeah i mean uh, there is a, a bit of of performance art in what in what we do certainly in, in broadcast and TV news TV news is TV right I mean so there is that element to it but I do appreciate that and um, and yeah I, and the the funny thing is honestly Dylan like I I, I really don't have like I don't have like a, a need to be this this might sound strange but I really I would be perfectly happy not being on camera at all and 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 it isn't I think there are some people I've known and worked with who they want to be on camera like they right. definitely want that and um and hey man whatever it's all good but um it's not that important to me you know it really isn't so yeah well yeah. i feel like uh and that's that's kind of evident in the career that you've had and that you've had a lot of your journalism and journalistic pursuits have not been uh camera oriented like you're saying all you know i imagine the bulk of what you did in seattle Correct. was uh more written journalism uh Correct. So I feel like your your journalistic background is rich enough that it's kind of very clear that you don't uh, it's not like you were it's not a stepping stone to some other, um, you know, pursuit in terms of spotlight for yourself. Um, I feel like it's just where you found yourself, but you're very natural at it, which I feel like in some ways makes it more impressive. I feel like having uh, the background that you have, you know, I've met plenty of people who are more in the uh you know, written journalism side who wouldn't be able to naturally transition to being uh, the like charismatic anchor side of things uh, because it's just two completely different worlds. They're very used to writing on a computer and not having to be seen necessarily. Um, So I don't know. I just feel like that. That's why I feel like a Renaissance man is a bit of a, you know, it's like a, maybe a silly term, but I feel like it's true in your case that you're just, you you know, the songs that I've checked out of yours are like, obviously you have like, you're no slouch musically. You have this, uh, 
you know, very different uh, approaches to like different filmmaking, whether it's a doc or the, the stuff that you said you've done feature film wise. Like, uh, I, I, that's why I wanted to talk to you today is that uh, we've had a lot of musicians and we've had filmmakers. And uh, at this point, I feel like I kind of want to just bring in a few more people that just have like really interesting careers. And yours is, uh, I mean, it's touched on so many things that you're definitely going to have perspectives that a lot of our guests haven't had. Like I, you know, all of us have, have read the news and experienced some of the crazy things that you may have been covering, but like having your, uh, you know, feet on the ground uh, approach to it. I certainly expect that you've had some crazy stories over the years. And uh, I don't know, I, it's just super interesting. So that, that's why I'm so thankful to have you on today, man. Well, thank you. Uh, thanks for feeling like this is uh, worth talking about, man. I appreciate it. And I appreciate your kind words. And this was a blast. So, yeah, well, um, I guess, you know, with all of the journalistic pursuits that you've done over the years, are there things like are there avenues within that world that you feel like you'd like to kind of lean into more that you haven't maybe covered as much? I know you've done a lot of things with uh, immigration and that's been huge. Um, and I'm sure that you'll continue to do that. But are there certain um, sort of subjects that you feel like you haven't had as much experience covering that you'd like to kind of get into? Well, I've had, I mean, luckily I've been able to cover a, a ton of stuff. Um, you know, so I don't feel like I've missed out on anything because I've covered everything from pro sports, even though I'm not a sports fan, but you know, I've covered like professional sports teams. Uh, I've covered, you know, technology I've covered, music i've covered um you know hard news so i don't i don't feel like i'm lacking in that regard however um i will tell you this when i made the sloppy boys doc the the conceit in at least in my mind was that wouldn't it be funny if you treated these guys who as you know are just silly hilarious I think they might describe themselves as jackasses. I won't go that far, but you know what I mean? Like they're, they're there to have just a great time. So the conceit of the doc is, wouldn't it be funny to treat them and their music as seriously as you would a, a traditional, you know, rockumentary or documentary about yeah. an artist. So that's the conceit there. And I always thought to myself, I don't want to just make like the overwrought artist who's like struggling with the, 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 you know, the bridge on this song. However, all that being said, having made this doc, I, I'm dying to do another music doc with what I've learned. Because, I mean, it's been an incredible learning experience. It's been a year-long project. Um, so I've never worked on anything this long. Coming from a journalism background, you turn things out, you get them out. And so this thing has sat, and it's sat in, a, in, in, in the pot for a year. And in that time, I'm getting better and better and better at what I'm doing. And so I do feel like I really want to do this again with other people, other artists under different circumstances. And I would do a much better job, I feel like. So maybe uh, maybe having that diverse, uh, you know, that the, the opportunities to do so many journalistic things and cover, like you said, you feel like there's not a whole lot of avenues that you haven't been able to cover. Maybe it's freeing you up a little bit to, to get ambitious with some of your other uh, creative goals, you know, like this, uh, this documentary and, and other things. And there's definitely, I mean, there's, you know, there's a journalistic side to what you're doing there too. They're not completely separate, you know? You're right. You're right. 
Yeah, certainly a different style of journalism than uh, the day job side of things. But I think that there's some crossover in that Venn diagram somewhere. Yeah, I think so, man. I think so. So that that's that's what I'm hoping to cook up in the next year or so, you know, is is something um, like elevate the game. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And this this is a, a bit of a sidebar, but I noticed that you're uh, you post a lot of mountain biking pictures. I also, I don't hit a whole lot of mountain bike trails because there's a, there's only a couple nearby here, but I ride, I'm a, the, I ride a bike very often and primarily it is a mountain bike, but mm-hmm. I'm the weirdo riding a mountain bike in the city, but we got right. a pretty hill. There's some, there's some hills, but yeah. uh, uh, so is that, is that something you've been doing for a minute? I feel like you're, uh, you're definitely going to some beautiful places with that bike. Yeah, man, I, that's, look, I'm not, uh, uh, clearly I'm not like an athletic person per se. Uh, I don't, I'm not good at any sports, but mountain biking has been a love of mine since I, and I didn't start mountain biking until I was 30. So um, I got into it uh, and we're lucky here in El Paso. We are at the end of the Rockies. So the Franklin mountains here, there's world-class trails, seriously, world-class trails all around me. And, um, and I'm pretty good at it. I've, you know, broken my elbow and all that stuff. Everybody's fallen, but, um, I love it. And so if I can, I'm on that bike as, 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 uh, you know, as often as I can uh, three times a week in the summer. Um, and I can't, I have no excuses, man. Cause my house is like the trailhead is a hundred yards away. So, you know, that, that's, yeah, that's, that's, that's huge. I love it. And yes, I'll go to Utah. I'll go to Colorado, but no, no joke, man. El Paso, if you if you're a mountain biker, world class trails. Oh, that's good to know. I did not. Yeah. You always hear people talking about Utah and these other places, but El Paso. All right, I'll keep yeah. that in mind. I've been wanting to, you know, get to a point where uh, where we're touring and have a setup where I can bring my bike along with me because I feel like anytime you know the mountain bike trails are just next level. They they can be gorgeous, but even just seeing a city. On, on a bicycle I feel like you get such a unique feel of it it's like uh it's like an extended walkabout because you can just cover more ground uh and get a feel for the like the actual kind of movement of the city um which last time we you know we sort of we didn't have any bikes with us on the west coast but we did buy a basketball and a soccer ball so we went to a lot of like local parks and we're like I feel like anytime you're just doing something active in a place you kind of just experience it in a little bit more of a unique way but yeah i mean uh mountain biking or just biking in general is such a nice it's like a mental reset you know it's just one foot in front of the other kind of deal and uh very uh i don't know cathartic in a lot of ways absolutely and i i describe it as zen like because like when you're descending like over a rock garden and you're choosing your line there it, it's you're you're like one with the bike you know and you're making these decisions based on what you're interpreting about the landscape and if you're not in the moment you're going to get punished right because you're gonna you're gonna eat shit so we just have to get off the bike and walk it which yeah. is disappointing correct correct so like to me it's a zen-like experience to be out there and have those moments and and i typically will ride alone and there was a there was a ride that i had it was incredible. I was descending over here at, we have a place called Franklin Mountain State Park and I'm descending and there are all these dead 
yuccas because they have a, a lifespan. So these yucca cactuses, we're, we're all like in this, almost like a pasture of these dead yuccas and they're backlit. So I'm coming down the trail and um, they look like woolly mammoths, man. It's so weird. It was such a weird experience, but it's like, it was almost like religious, right? In, in, in just how that sport allows you the, that solitude in those moments. I don't know. I'm just, I'm babbling, but. No, I, I mean, you're babbling to the right guy, man. <laughs> I, I've, uh, there's been a couple other guests I've had who, uh, I was, that I noticed had some, uh, mountain biking interests that I kind of tried to get to nerd out with me. And I feel like they were hesitant, but I'm like, I'm ready for it, man. I want somebody, <laughs> I, this is, that's my bread and butter. I love it. Uh, <laughs> but you know, no, I mean, I, I couldn't agree more. It's like, I think something about the, uh, I mean, first off, in my uh, experience, I always it always takes a little bit of a, you know, if I'm it gets really hot here sometimes, and I'm sure it does in El Paso too. Yeah. So sometimes I'll be like, man, I don't know if I want to get out there. And even on the hottest day, I never regret getting on the bike. And like afterwards, I always feel better. And I'm like, man, why do I ever have to convince myself? Because it always is worth it. Because I, you know, whatever bullshit has been weighing on your brain, you just, if you're, especially on a hot day, that's more challenging. You're so focused on the task at hand. Like you said, especially if you're on a mountain bike trail with obstacles where you could, you know, wipe out, et cetera. uh, That it just is, I I always think of it as like an etch and sketch that's got all the lines on it. And then by the time you're done with the ride, it's been shaken to where it's like sort of a clean start. And you're like, all right. I feel like I can address like all the things that I was like mulling over work wise, whatever that might be uh, on your mind with a little bit of a clear head, just because I've like, it's like an extended breath, you know, it's like you go out there and you yes. just like feel like, all right, I'm, I got a better perspective. I, I got this, you know, I plus, I mean, something about being active like that in general is just like a great feeling. It's like a type of, I'm I'm the same in the if I'm going to do something active and exercise, it kind of needs to be fun. Like I, mm-hmm. it's very hard for me to be convinced to go for a run. Right, that feels right. like work. But I could bike for miles and miles and miles, and it feels like you know you're a kid riding through your neighborhood again, or or whatever it is, you know. Um, and uh, but it's just such such a good mental reset. I definitely cannot uh, uh, say enough to about how much I love doing that. I need to get out on some mountain bike trails like you're doing though. I mean, there's some, there's definitely plenty within a short drive of here. There's one, uh, I mean, by, by your standards out there, it would probably seem very, um, you know, tame, but you know, I'm not really looking for, there's a couple stretches of it that are pretty intense, even by my standards. So, yeah. uh, like I think that I'm in shape on a bike and then you go out to a mountain bike trail and it's like, you could do 30 miles in a city and it feels like the equivalent of five on a mountain bike trail. Cause they will just, they can be an extreme workout, you know? Yeah. The climbs, the climbs could be brutal for sure. Um, I think you probably are in an area where it's like Mount that what most people think of mountain biking, where there's like maybe a, a, a like a, a trail that runs through trees and maybe there's mm-hmm. some green or something like that. We definitely don't have that here. There's- we got lots of, that's exactly the vibe here. Yeah. See here, it's just like the surface of Mars, man. You're riding on the surface of Mars. (laughs) So very dusty and rocks, uh, rocks and cactus, man. Yeah. Yeah. I guess the type of, oh my gosh, I can't even imagine uh, if you took a spill into some cactus 
Oh yeah, I've done that. Yeah, hard to imagine. Yeah, that's a next. That's, a, but you know, part of the game here. I feel like you are more likely. The things that I hear about people having accident-wise is uh, there's a lot of like you know you have a passage. I mean, there's just so many pine trees here. They're everywhere. Um, and there'll be like a passage in the trail where there's like the tiniest little gap where you can make it through. But if you're an inch that way or an inch yeah. that way, you might break your collarbone. You yeah, know? I hear Pass a lot the handlebar. of yeah. mm-hmm, a lot of that kind of stuff around here. And there's definitely some of the, the more advanced trails that are nearby uh, or at least advanced by like our standards. Because, you know, the hills aren't as extreme. There are some decent hills, but it's not going to be like uh, we're the Midlands here. So it's like, you know, we're, we got some hilly areas, but it's not not quite to the mountains yet. Um but, uh, you know, the, the rocks that are there, they're like kind of more like river rocks, you know? Okay. Um, yeah. So they're not like those. I mean, there are some pretty big boulders and stuff around here, but less on the trails. They're more like in the water. So the ones on the trails are kind of like those little ones that you probably, if you're confident about it, your bike is going to be able to ride over it. Uh, mountain bikes are deceptive like that. If you are confident and you stick it, that thing can go over a lot of things like it, you uh, more than you would think. So it's For more sure. about what, committing to it. That's why, you know, you ride down most stair sets or whatever else. The bike is fully capable. But if you are uh, if you chicken out part way, you will certainly human error is a real, real, pro, uh, real part of the uh, process as well. Yeah, man. And you said it. It's about confidence and just, you know, making sure that you're not going to hesitate. And because. The, the bike will get over it if you if you commit, you know, yep. most of the time, most of the time. And that's why I like riding the mountain bike in the city is that uh, Columbia is just not a particularly bike friendly town. I mean, there mm. are plenty of fun places to ride, but it's not exactly uh, not a ton of bike lanes. And the ones that are half the time are like full of cars and whatever else. Uh, and for me personally, I feel a lot more freaked out riding a road bike in this city than I do on a mountain bike because I tend to, the very least, if I need to bail and get on the sidewalk for a second to avoid something crazy, I'm going to be able to do it without getting off my bike. Uh, every time that I've fallen in any sort of dramatic fashion on a bike in this city has been on a road bike. Yeah, uh, yeah. And I feel like the mountain bike, it just I feel more confident on it. I know that like, Worst case, I could go off road on this thing and avoid some aggressive car or whatever it yeah. might be. Um, but yeah, to me, I, I my preference is to not have to get off the bike. And I feel like even with a road bike, you know, if you have to, any obstacle can throw you off the bike with a road bike. You know, oh, that no, thing's yeah. not certainly not designed to ride over anything. But a gravel bike would be fun. I would love yeah. to um, maybe do like some sort of cross bike. That would probably be a good fit too. I like, I like, yeah, gravel bikes are interesting. I, I definitely don't road ride anymore. I used to, I, I won't get on the road with a bike anymore. There's just, there's too many people on their phones. It's just like, that's, it's crazy. that's exploded. So as a result, man, there's just, there's just no way. There's no way. I don't feel safe on, on the roads. No, same. And, you know, I know it's a little bit of a controversial take on the, in the bike world, but I'm not afraid that Columbia is very mellow in foot traffic. Uh, so I don't feel inconsiderate being on the sidewalk sometimes just because it's not like Charleston where if you're on the sidewalk, it would suck for the people on the sidewalk and for you because it's yeah. so congested. I can ride for miles and only have to get off the sidewalk for like three people, you know? So if, in that regard, I'm like, 
I know I'm not going to run into that person. I'm going to be able to avoid them. No problem. And be considerate about it. And I'm not going to get hit by a car here. So right. I'm going to hang out on the sidewalk. And I know that, I think that might even technically, I don't even know if it's legal. I feel like there could potentially be rules against riding on the sidewalk on a bike, but for me, I'm a sidewalk guy. Yeah, as long as you're considerate, as long as you're considerate. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. We're, we're lucky in that it's not, you don't even have to worry about it that much. The sidewalks are not that, there's not that much foot traffic on them, to be honest. Like, like I said, I could ride all day and only have to get off the sidewalk two or three times. I'm never going to bogart it and make the pedestrian get off the sidewalk. I'm the one who's not really supposed to be there. So, yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, man, uh, you know, I'm, uh, I'm glad we have that shared interest for sure. And uh, yeah, for sure. thanks for indulging me and going on a deep dive with that. Of course. Um, well, so how long have you been in El Paso now? I've been back six and a half years. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So you're feeling pretty settled there? Yes. Yes. I'm, I think I left uh, LA in, at the end of 15, 16 um, so yeah, yeah, I do. I mean, but again, this is home. I mean, my, my sister lives right down the street, my niece and nephew, well, you know, I mean, I adore them. Uh, I don't have kids, uh, you know, so like, they're just amazing, because I get to hang out with them. And they're amazing. And then when they get annoying, they get to go back to mom. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but uh, no, I mean, I'm really close with my sisters. And you know, they're here, my, my, my parents are still here. And, and, um, you know, we hang out on the weekends. So listen, it's, it's, it's beautiful, you know, it's, it's home. So in comparison to when you were younger in El Paso, has it, has it grown and changed quite a bit in the, in the time that you've been there? I think it has. I think it has. I mean, it's still, look, we're still an outpost in far West Texas. It's, we're still geographically quite isolated from the rest of Texas. People always get uh, blown away by the idea that I can drive from here to Houston in the same amount of time that I, it takes me to get to LA. So you know, the, yeah, that is Texas is a weird state, man. Yeah, <laughs> in terms massive. of uh, geography, yeah. So we are on the western tip. You know, we're we're, we're right next to New Mexico, um, but it's really come along, man. I think there's a real art scene. Uh, I'm very fortunate that I have some friends here who are very creative and and uh, very talented people. Uh, you know that that I get to collaborate with on some cool things and. I'm just uh, I'm just lucky in that regard. But yeah, I do think El Paso has come come around. We, we actually have like, you know, a downtown that stays open now and things like that. So, um, you know, it's getting there. But but of course, it is still an outpost in the West Texas desert. And I think that's what makes it cool. My friend Jim Ward has a great way of, of putting it. He you know, he he lives here, too. And he says um, uh, that this place, you, you kind of have to choose to be here. You know, you've got to choose to be here and you um you, if you look around, you know, the things that survive here, you know, they, they don't survive because they have like a lot of water or a lot of perfect weather. It's, it makes you, you know, uh, a, a survivor to, to, to yeah, be here. hundred you know? yeah. percent. Especially in, uh, are you speaking of like Jim Ward, like at the drive-in Jim yes. Ward? Like uh -huh. that, that band was so, is like you said, like who would have thought that band would pop up in this little desert town? Right. Um, uh, <laughs> And like, yeah, I mean, you know, it. that's kind of, I'm sure that had a lot to do with why there is such a unique band is that they probably didn't have a ton of outside influences. You know, they were just kind of, I mean, of course, I'm sure they found bands and stuff that they loved, but in terms of peers, compared to if they grew up in LA where they might have like 15 bands on their street, uh, I'm sure they didn't have 
as much um, in-person, uh, you know, musical peers and stuff, which kind of makes your little island into yourself, which can result in some pretty neat things. Obviously, in their case, it worked. <laughs> yeah. And a shout out to Jim. He's got a podcast that I help. Uh, I help him with his podcast and it's called Let's Get a Drink. Uh, with Jim Ward. He started doing it on Instagram during the pandemic on Instagram live. And then now he's doing it like actual uh, podcast uh, chatting with people face to face. So look that up on YouTube. If you get a chance, it's called let's, let's get a drink with Jim Ward. I will. Absolutely. Yeah. And uh, to go into that a little further, I guess, you know, I say that maybe they didn't have that many peers, but now that I think about, it, I feel like there was like in that era, like a, at least a, a small scene um, in terms of, uh, you know, El Paso adjacent music. Um, I, were you around for any of that back in the uh, the days of that, or was it not quite your time? Not quite my time. Uh, and again, I really wasn't in El Paso as as a youngster. I was in New Mexico down the road. Oh, okay. In, in Las so Cruces. not yeah. So an even smaller community really is where I was at. You know, so um, I'd come into town to see shows, but they were usually like touring shows at that point. You know, right. Yeah. 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 Such an interesting world, man. Uh, and, uh, you know, the fact, like you're saying, the fact that it's so close to, or not so close, but like kind of equidistant from uh, LA and from, you know, just, uh, it's, I feel like as a touring band, it could have been kind of a beneficial thing to where you can like, uh, if you're willing to drive a few hours, you might be able to get into some pretty diverse markets without uh, having to relocate and then get away from all that and go hide out in the desert, and make something cool. You know? Yeah. I like El Paso in, in it's funny because El Paso in um, it's a trope in Hollywood because it's always like, you know, it's a place from like from the getaway to kill bill. El Paso is this place where people go hide from their past you know, and, and there's something, I don't know, there's something cool about that, that, uh, that's the, you know, that's like the mystique of this place. So. Well, now you're, you're, uh, you're just everything you're saying about, about that area of Texas is kind of piquing my curiosity. I spent a decent bit of time in Texas, but never West Texas, really more like uh central Texas, I guess. But, um, one thing I'm curious about, you know, cause I've, I've recently watched this show that was highlighting a lot of uh, Arizona pizza of all things. If there's like a, some really amazing pizza being made there. I'm okay. wondering if there's any like um, either El Paso or just kind of West Texas or surrounding areas, peripheral. Uh, obviously I'm sure that the Latin food is incredible, but are there any like surprising, um, little like food gyms in terms of maybe less places and more just like, is there certain styles of food that you might not expect to be uh, so great there, but that are kind of noteworthy? Yes. Um, I'll give a, a couple of shout outs here. You, you know, talking about El Paso coming along and developing, we've had a couple of uh, James Beard finalists, chefs uh, with their restaurants in, in recent years. Uh, you know, one of them is a restaurant called Alemi, and the restaurant there is Emiliano is doing really cool stuff with like um, artisanal, like Mexican dishes, but modernizing them, like using like like artisanal corn and and 
and then putting like the modern twist on them. So he's getting a lot of attention. And again, he's a James Beard finalist. Another homie out in Socorro, which is like down the road uh, on your way to Tornillo, which is where Sonic Ranch is. He's got a restaurant called uh, El Charlatan. He's mixing Japanese flavors because he has kind of his training in Japanese cooking with Mexican flavors. He's killing the game. Um, he's doing amazing stuff too. Also a James Beard nominee. So, wow. you know, if you were in El Paso. Absolutely. Well, uh, you know, one thing I kind of want to cover right before I uh, let you go, I don't want to keep you all day, but, um, you know, I know you've done a lot of, you know, a lot of coverage, journalistic coverage in the States, Pacific Northwest, Mexico. Have you done much like world traveling in regards to um, some of the topics that you've covered? Well, not, I've traveled a lot. I used to travel more obviously as a young person, but um, not professionally. I was, um, I was in Israel last month and that was quasi-professional. Um, that was kind of a, an educational trip more than it was a vacation per se, um, yeah. but not necessarily a professional. I wasn't doing any like reporting yet. Uh, and, you know, I've traveled, yeah, I've traveled all over the place in Europe and, uh, you know, Central America and stuff, but never, never, like, I think the only place I've actually reported on is, has been in Mexico. Like, so like gotcha. in whether I've covered a hurricane or whether I've been, you know, at an earthquake or something like I've covered things in Mexico professionally, but not, not elsewhere. Not yet. We'll see. Right. Yeah, absolutely. You're still young. You got plenty of time. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'll take your word for it. <laughs> well, uh, you know, are there any um, particular, like, uh, what are some of the things that you've gleaned the most in like, uh, in terms of these, especially if you're factoring in these kind of, um, I don't know if delicate is the word, but certainly like sensitive and, and, you know, uh, emotional topics that you've covered are the things that you've like gleaned over the years professionally and just personally. And uh, from these experiences that uh, you feel like have played some sort of role in sort of shaping you as a whole, both professionally and just personally. No, that's a very broad strokes question, but uh, yeah. I just feel like you've done su such a, such a, you know, wide array of work. I'm kind of curious, like, if there are some big picture takeaways from the, from the journalistic side of things. God, I would have to give that question some thought. Um, I don't, I don't, I don't know if, if I can identify, like, I, I guess like if the best I can do to answer that question is what this job has taught me is that like, you really, you know, we are here just for a quick, minute and um and you really do need to as cliche as it sounds really sort of like appreciate every day and every moment because typically what my job entails is reporting on on human failure right like like things that went wrong and in all these cases of, of people that i talked to where things went wrong no one's expecting it of course right so um i guess like if if anything i come away from the job if there's like an overall influence it would be that you know you just you got to do it you can't you can't wait around for tomorrow and you can't let like ideas percolate for years and years you got to execute and do it and and you know the clock is ticking man you know all the time yeah i, I couldn't agree more i i uh i definitely strive to be um less of an 
a talk about it and idea person and more act upon it and make it happen person. Uh, and, and, you know, as you get older, it's easier to lean into like, um, you know, to get a little bit lackadaisical about things, but like, I feel like, uh, it's just no better feeling than actually making an idea come to fruition as opposed to just, wouldn't it be cool if we did this or if I did this, you know, um, you know, so I, and I'm sure that the job, uh, one of the, maybe both perks and just downsides of, of your career has been the constant reminder of the fragility, um, of this whole thing, you know, I mean, if you're you're covering these, like you said, some of these catastrophic, tragic things, you can't help but be thinking about how in an instant things can change. Um, so, I mean, I'm glad that it seems like you channeled that into a positive way of, uh, trying to, you know, uh, you know, ride that motivation to be a person who completes tasks, who has these ideas, makes them happen, uh, as opposed to, you know, the opposite could happen very easily. It could scare you to the point where you don't want to leave your house sometimes, you know? Yeah. Uh, yeah. But that's no way to live on the, on the short amount of time we got. You're right about that. This is true. This is true. Well, Robert, uh, I mean, there's, I feel like I could do a whole nother episode with you just because I've got so much that I'm curious about. And I appreciate everything that you've, uh, I feel like you're a particularly gracious guest and that you're, uh, you're just, uh, just very well-spoken and just very giving as a guest. So thanks oh, for coming man, on, thank man. Thank you. Uh, dude, thank you for thinking anybody would care to hear from me, but I appreciate uh, it. Thank no, you. I'm trying to get more guests of, of your style. Uh, you know, we've, we've covered a lot of, a lot of things that are maybe like arts focused and whatnot, but I just want people who have interesting stories, interesting lives. And I feel like uh, you're a fresh perspective on the podcast. You know, you're the only, you know, we've had some filmmakers and musicians. We've never had really any journalists. And it's funny because podcasting is like borderline, you know, like I feel like some of it is, has like a, maybe there's a slight journalistic side to it in the sense that it's at least just like a, I try to make it less feel less interviewee and more just chatting, but like, you know, there is like maybe some crossover, but it's just such a foreign world to me. Cause I, I feel like the crossover is very minimal, but there is like maybe some uh, similar lines of thought into the things that you might be curious about with whoever you're talking to. But uh, I just appreciate you giving us this, you know, new, new style of guests, man. And um, I hate that I won't see you in Nashville, but hopefully we'll find a reason to link up soon. Of course, man. I think you guys will eventually get another tour going. And uh, I bet Mookie and I will be there in the front row, you know, screaming and hollering. But uh, yeah, man, yeah, I, would, sure. I, I love that. And uh, if I'm ever in El Paso, I'll hit you up. Oh, for some, sure, uh, man. Maybe we can cruise on some trails together. That'd be amazing. Uh, it, that'd be amazing. I've got an extra bike, so you're welcome to it. Awesome. Well, Robert, if you don't mind, I'm going to turn my little camera here yeah. and just snag a picture of the two of us. Give me one second. All right. All righty, man. Well, Great. I will let you go, but uh, hopefully I'll see you sooner than later and can't wait for all the stuff that you've got coming up and just stay in touch with me. Um, and we'll make sure we time this out to where it, it you know, works well with uh, everything you guys got coming up in the pipeline. Yeah, man. Uh, I think you're going to, I can't wait for, to get your thoughts uh, on everything. Uh, I think it's, uh, I, I want to pick your brain about it, you know, when you, when you see the final product. Well, if you're itching for another project, maybe if we get another uh, big tour going, 
We could do get you to travel with us and do a tour doc with uh, the sloppy boys in Deer Block. <laughs> That'd be amazing. <laughs> All righty, man. Well, have a All good right, one, and uh, hopefully I'll talk to you soon. All right, man. See ya. Take care.